Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Tonight, I just want us to take a moment before we close to look at what it is that these guys have just done, to look at what it is that baptism actually means. Because when you look at what these guys have just gone through uh, before us here, it actually has significance regardless of whether you've been a Christian for seven days, seven years, 70 years, or even if you would say, oh, I'm not a Christian. Even if you're in this place tonight and you would say, oh, I, I'm not even sure if I believe in the whole Christianity thing and the whole thing with Jesus, I'm not so sure about that. Regardless of whether you've been a Christian a long time or you're not, what they have done actually has significant meaning for our lives, for each and every one of us. It's not so much the action of baptism. There's nothing magical about the pool. There's nothing mystical about the water, although the water is warm, and we're grateful for that, as are they. But there's nothing particularly special about the water or the pool itself. Now, as a church, we do believe in baptism by immersion. That's why uh, we bring this big pool out and, and, and put out the carpets, etc., because we believe in baptism by immersion, not by sprinkling. Now, I know some of you are thinking, wait a second, you, you said there was nothing special about that action, so why the baptism by immersion, why not sprinkling, what's the difference? So glad you asked. <laughs> because what it is that the action symbolizes is what gives it meaning. It's what, what they just did, it's what it represents that makes it so valuable. It's what makes it so special. Let me explain it like this. In my pocket right now, I have some plastic. It's probably worth about three cents, two cents maybe. It might not even be worth that much. But I can take this plastic and I can go to the cafe afterwards and I can go to Bernie and I can say, Bernie, I want some chocolate and I want a Coke Zero and I want chips. And she'll look at me as though uh, you're off your diet, obviously. But aside from that, <laughs> I'll say, and I want some chips. And I can give her this piece of plastic and she will take it and give me those goods. And then she will actually give me some more plastic in return. Yes, by now, I'm sure you've worked out what I'm talking about. I have in my pocket a $20 note. I know, I know, it's like, I've never seen that before. I understand. This is not the plastic I normally use, I've got to be honest. Um, but I have a, a $20 note. Now, the thing about this $20 note the thing that makes it so special is not the plastic itself. There's nothing intrinsically valuable about the plastic. Like I said, it's probably worth at best two or three cents. I grind this up and hand it to you, and, and I'll get at most two or three cents for it. But the fact that it represents something is what makes it valuable. Because this plastic actually represents a guarantee from the Australian government. It actually represents a guarantee that, that the holder of this piece of plastic, which right now is me and will continue to be, the holder of this piece of plastic, the government will pay whoever the holder is 20 Australian dollars. So when I go to the cafe and I hand that over to Bernie and she takes it, then when it's in her hands, the government says, I'm going to give you the 20 Australian dollars. In fact, when I go to the cafe, when I go to any shop with this piece of plastic, I have standing behind me. Our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, our Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, and our Reserve Bank Governor, Philip Lowe. And they are standing 
behind me and they are saying, we guarantee that piece of plastic, we'll take it. Give us those goods because we guarantee this piece of plastic. Does it make sense? It's what this piece of plastic represents that makes it so valuable. Now, if on the other hand, I went with this. <laughs> Nothing up my sleeve. Hey, presto. If on the other hand, I went to Bernie with this, and I said to Bernie, Bernie, I need chocolate. And I'm desperate for Coke Zero, and I so need some chips. Look at me, I need chips. And I tried to hand this over to her. Would she then give me those goods? Because she's mean and nasty. No, that's not the reason. That is not the reason. But I don't understand why she wouldn't give me those goods. I mean, look at it. It, it looks the same. It's got the same picture on it, both front and back. In fact, if anything, this one's bigger. Come on, it's bigger. Surely I should get it for this. Now, why on earth would she not give this, give me those goods when I give this to her? Because this doesn't represent the same thing. See, when I go there and I hand this over, she's not about to give me any goods. And I'll tell you what, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison and, and Josh Frydenberg and Philip Lowe, they are not standing behind me. In fact, there's a better than even chance some representative from the Australian Federal Police is standing behind me with a pair of handcuffs ready to take me away. It looks the same. It feels the same. It's the same colour, but it represents something very, very different. That's why we believe in baptism by immersion and not by sprinkling. That's why that's important. Because it actually represents something. See, the word we translate baptize is the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse, to dip, or to put under, not to sprinkle. It's very, very specific. And the action of baptism, what it is that these people just did, actually loses part of its significance when we change it from immersion, as the Bible speaks of, and we move to something like sprinkling. Because when you understand the meaning of baptism, then you begin to see how important that symbolism is. That's why we believe in baptism by full immersion. That's why we believe not in infant baptism, but in a believer's baptism. You'll notice that none of these people were babies. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, repent and be baptized, which means to turn from your ways and be baptized. Well, a baby can't do that. A baby doesn't even understand what repent or turning or ways, but doesn't even understand what that means. The Bible's very clear. It, it's a believer's baptism. That is, once you have made a commitment to Jesus, that you are a Christian, that you're going to serve God all the days of your life. That's their profession of faith before. Once, once they make that commitment, then they make a choice. Nobody tells them to. Nobody forces them to. They make a choice, as each of us get to make a choice, that we want to follow Jesus in the waters of baptism. And then we choose to get baptized. Because in baptism, we declare certain things. In baptism, we declare our faith in Jesus. That's what they did here tonight. They declared that they love God, that they believe in Jesus and what it is that he's done for them. 
In baptism, we believe that we have been baptized into the death and burial of Jesus, which sounds like a really bad horror movie, but it's, but it's not at all. What it actually means is that in being baptized into the death and burial of Jesus, that we are now dead to our old life. Old things have gone. All that stuff that used to hold us back, all that stuff that used to, that used to hold us down, all that stuff that used to bind us in chains, all of that stuff, we declare that because of what Jesus has done, we now are dead to that stuff and it has no hold over us anymore. That's what it means. That's what it means to go down under the water, that we are buried with Christ. We are dead with Christ. We are dead to our old life and to the stuff that bound us up. And the third thing that we believe is that in baptism, we are not just buried to our old life, which is pretty fortunate because if that was the end of the story, then like they'd never get out and that, like they'd drown. That's bad. But instead, we are raised up to a new life. Why? Because Jesus was raised to new life. Because Jesus didn't just die on the cross, but on the third day, he then rose from the dead. Each one of those actions, each one of those particular declarations is significant. But tonight, just before we finish, I want to center in here on the very last one. That in baptism, we are raised up into a new life. Like I said, the Bible tells us we're now dead to those things that bound us. The Bible calls them sin. All the stuff that we've done wrong, all the stuff that we've done that misses the mark of, of what God wanted for your life. It's called sin. And all those things that bind us up, we're now dead to those. And that's what going under the water in baptism represents. But the exciting thing is that because Jesus didn't stay dead and buried, that we rise to new life with him. This is what Romans chapter 6 says. I'm reading it from the Message Bible. It's a, it's a great, uh, uh, I think it just opens up the meaning really, really well. Paul is speaking to the church in Rome and he says, so what do we do? Do we keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? Well, I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign or where sin rules, that's all that stuff that binds us up and holds us down. If we've left the country where sin rules, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? This is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin, that's our old life, behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. We live a life that is now marked by grace and not by bondage. It's now marked by grace and not by, not by being bound up or tied up or constrained. Could it be any clearer, Paul goes on to say? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer it sins every beck and call. No longer bound by it. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death is the end. Never again will death have the last word. 
When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. What a phenomenal passage. It says that as we come up out of the water, what that signifies is that we enter into a new country of grace, a new life in a new land. Not only are we dead to all that stuff that bound us in chains, not only does that stuff no longer have any power or any hold over us, but we also get a whole new life. What does that look like? Well, let me explain it like this. The Bible says that we are jars of clay that hold a treasure within. That's how the Bible describes us in in one particular passage. We are jars of clay that holds a treasure within. The Bible also talks about the fact that though we are jars of clay, we were made for a purpose. Okay, this this didn't just kind of appear out of nowhere. Somebody created it. Somebody made it. And it was made for a purpose. It was made to do something. And God created us with purpose in mind and for us to do something. It is robust. It is purposeful. It is meaningful. And yet, at the same time, it's quite fragile. It's both. It's an accurate description of us as people. The Bible says, however... That sin entered our lives. This is sin. Yes, me holding a hammer and trying to do any handiwork whatsoever is sin. Believe me, it's just a bad, (laughs) bad idea. This is not even my hammer. I stole it from my dad. But the Bible says that sin entered the world. Sin like pride. Sin like selfishness, sin like self-focus, sin like it's all about me and I don't care about you, sin like I want to get my way, sin like I'm just going to say whatever and I don't care the consequences, sin like lying and cheating, sin like not acknowledging that God is in control of our lives. The Bible says that sin entered the world. And unfortunately, the Bible is very clear about the consequences of sin. That when sin meets a fragile jar of clay, that the effect of that is quite (laughs) devastating. That's pretty much the effect of all of my handiwork. (laughs) It's quite devastating. That's what happens when sin meets a jar of clay. And so what happens when that occurs is, well, we do what everybody does. We do the same thing that everyone does. We, we try and pick up the pieces of our broken life. And so we kind of just, if I can just, wait a second, let's, it's just a puzzle, it's okay. I can, my life's not that bad, it's, it's all right. I don't know where that piece goes. But um, this piece here, I'm pretty sure, I don't know where that goes. But this one here, 
uh, almost goes there, but it means it must kind of go there. And that, look at that. That's, oh, look, that's just a Picasso. That, oh, here we go. Wait a second. Here we go. I've got it. I've got it. I've got, you know, if I can just get it, my pieces together, if I can just get the bits and pieces of my life in order and together, then maybe somehow if I do that, you know, don't worry about that piece. Okay, well, how's that? Look, I'm together. Oh, oh just, but then, now I'm together. See, if I can get the bits of my life together, if I can somehow make them work, if I can somehow, like, it, I, I don't want to show you the other bits, because if I let you in, then I don't know, you might reject me. If I let you in, I don't know what you'll say. If I let you see the bits of my brokenness, I, I'm not sure how you'll respond. So if I can just hold it together, and hold it together just long enough to be able to stop talking to you and get away. If I can hold it together just long enough that I can find somebody who I can trick into liking me, who I maybe can trick into marrying me, because I know they wouldn't if they saw what I was really like. But if I can hold it together just long enough, then maybe I can have a whole life the only problem with that is that it just doesn't hold water. Like it just doesn't. It just, it, and it doesn't matter how I try to, it just doesn't seem to hold water. It just doesn't seem to work the way that it was intended to work. It doesn't seem, it doesn't matter how many pieces I pick up, and it doesn't matter where I put them, it doesn't matter if I've got great super glue or what, I, I just... I don't, it just doesn't matter. The pieces don't come back together the way that I thought they were supposed to. That's what happened when sin came into the world. But what baptism tells us, this is the message for every single one of us. What baptism tells us, what this, this whole thing actually says, is that, that when we go through the waters of baptism, we don't just kind of get the pieces put back together, but we actually come out new. We actually hold water. We actually can fulfill the purpose that God called us to fulfill. God doesn't just take the pieces of your broken life and super glue them together. He doesn't just take the pieces of your broken life and say, wait a minute, I can make, maybe I can make that work. I, well, there might be a crack here or a crack there. Maybe I can make it happen. The Bible tells us He gives us a new life in a grace-filled country. A fresh start. Not just broken pieces put back together, but whole and fresh and new again able to live the purpose that we were created for in the first place. That's why it's good news. That's why this, this action of these people who have, who have just come tonight, and, and that's why it's so special to all of us. Because it's, it's something, a declaration that they've made, but it reminds every single one of us, whether you've been a Christian for seven days or 70 years, or even if you don't know Jesus, it reminds every single one of us, we can have a new life. We can have a new life. That's what God intended. Able to be everything He created us to be. 
It's a light-filled world we've now been raised up into. Light-filled so we can see where we're going. We can see the purpose and the destiny that God has for every one of us. It's a light-filled world. Not just bits and pieces being put back together, but a new life in a new land. (laughs) It's people tonight who went through the waters of baptism. This is why I get excited about baptism. It's people who went through the waters of baptism. They're reminding every single Christian in this place, hey, it's a new world. It's a new life, a a light-filled life. You You don't have to live bound anymore. You don't have to live broken anymore because Jesus, when you gave your life to Jesus, He took those pieces and gave you a brand new life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.